Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and a co-host introduce each other to films, and uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of November 2020, uh, and it is that time of the month once again wherein we do our special monthly Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. And to join me in this endeavor, I have uh, my good friend Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How you doing, Brad? Oh, I'm doing excellent. Thanks again for having me, Trevor. Yeah, of course, man. It's always great to have you along for the ride. Um, so, folks at home, if you aren't familiar with the uh, episode format, a uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episode is basically a, a monthly review episode where we take a look at the uh, physical media release calendar that would be dvds blu-rays and 4k discs and whatnot and uh we just uh, scan what's coming out and uh say a little something about anything that catches our eye uh, for better or for worse um so um that being said um if you want to follow along at home uh, uh by the home version that is um <laughs> uh, head to the website of uh, blu-ray.com and uh, head to the release calendar and uh, just look up November 2020. And uh, also, if you're not familiar with how this works, um, generally physical media releases occur on Tuesdays of each week. Um, so that that's a good guide for um, when most of these releases will be happening. Uh, so the first uh, official calendar release date of November 2020 falls on November 3rd. And uh, as is typically the case, um, we have a 4K release leading the charge in the form of V for Vendetta uh, on 4K. This was from 2006, um, and this comes out on November 3rd. Um, this was, uh, what, James McTeague was the director? Am I right, Brad? Uh, yeah, because it wasn't actually the Wachowskis. They just produced it, correct, I think? Um, I know they were attached to it. It was one of the cases where, you know, they, they used their name to to push the thing. like To, to trick everybody. Yeah, uh, it was kind <laughs> of like... One of the funniest examples, I think, is um, uh, the Tony Jaa movie, uh, Tom Young-Gung. Uh, it was released in this country as The Protector, and I think they put Quentin Tarantino's name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure he had nothing to do with that Thai production from two years ago, but yeah, okay. Right. Uh, he probably paid to distribute it, or maybe he, paid, maybe he financed the dub of the movie and the strange re-edit of the movie um but yeah this is a case of something similar where i i distinctly remember the marketing for the film before it came out like wachowskis was all over this thing it's like mm -hmm. actually it's directed by some guy that uh has done a whole lot else but he's he's got friends in high places <laughs> yeah i'm c looking at his uh work sense and he, he he really hasn't done much of anything few recognizable movies but nothing uh you know, that is as held in high regard as V for Vendetta. If memory serves, he's mostly like a second unit guy. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, he he has worked on large productions and whatnot. I don't know how consistently he's worked since uh, V for Vendetta. But um, on the whole, what what did you think of V for Vendetta? I uh, I like it quite a bit. Um I mean, maybe I shouldn't say quite a bit. I I do like the film, but I feel like I really burnt myself out on it because I think one year it was in college and I watched it on is it the the fourth of November, the fifth of whatever the date is in the movie. I can't remember. Is it fourth or fifth? 
The 5th. I, I watched it on the 5th of November. Clearly, I didn't listen to it. I don't remember the 5th of November. Um, but uh, I watched it on the 5th of November just because, like, that's the thing to do, of course. you got to do it. Um, and then I think I was taking a class. And I don't remember what class it was, but we also watched it, like, not long after in class. And I just was totally... From then on, I don't know if I'll ever watch the movie again. That back-to-back combo of those two things really burned me out on this one. Um, but I do think it's a good movie. Yeah, I I think I've only seen it straight through once. Um, I can't even remember if I saw it in the theater or not. But mostly I enjoyed it. I remember um, thinking the direction was pretty strong. It has a very solid look to it. Um, some of the dialogue really crackles at times, especially um, V's uh, introduction hugo weaving uh really he really takes those uh that alliteration for a ride um mm-hmm, and yeah. his voice acting and his uh physicality is pretty solid in the performance um but i actually haven't read the source material i think it's a alan moore comic um and it's a it's a curious movie because um i mean kind of similar to like i guess the matrix in some ways like it has some pretty heavy themes to it that if you look at just like pure surface detail, it's a it's an entertaining movie, but there's a lot of heavy shit going on with the story that um, maybe maybe even carries more weight today, um, especially in the you know in the wake of like the the guy Fox Max, yeah, uh, kind of having become this this meme, uh, this really nefarious meme, <laughs> like in recent days. Um, so it's kind of a loaded film in a lot of ways. I'd I'd be kind of curious to revisit it because i do remember enjoying it but it's the kind of thing that's like wow the the world this movie had an impact but i don't know if it was what was intended like yeah probably not but i agree that uh it definitely does warrant a rewatch um for me it might be it might be a few more years i did just check the price does not seem to be on sale for black friday otherwise i would be purchasing this so we're good there don't need to worry about getting it right now um but yeah, I, I I would like to revisit this at some point. Yeah, uh, I'm not about to pick up the 4K, especially without having rewatched it beforehand. But you know, it, it's it's a movie that you know I I do remember it, and I do mostly have positive thoughts about. It, so someday I'll get to it. Um, but moving right along, um, we also have a, a 4K box set of the entirety of the Game of Thrones series from HBO. Um, I don't know if this is debuting on 4K, um, but they have a handsome box set here for, you know, potential Christmas buyers, I'm guessing. I I didn't really watch Game of Thrones. Um, I, I watched the first season and then gave it up for spite because someone I had some uh, negative feelings towards was really, really into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hate it just because they like it. <laughs> Um, but in retrospect, it's like, you know, I, I probably should have followed along with it. Although I, I didn't have access to HBO for all those years. Um, but now that, you know, we have the, the ending all wrapped up, uh, I'm not so sure if I'm in a hurry to, to go back and check it out. Cause it seems like most people shit all over the conclusion of the story. Yeah, it definitely, I'll, uh, you know, I'll follow the chorus and say that, uh, yeah, the ending is terrible. I was actually, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I, I believe the last season was season eight, and that's where everybody kind of, like, you know, lost it and lost faith and said it's terrible. I was ahead of the curve. I was like, this show is turning to shit in season seven, 
And I would, everybody's like, oh, season seven, it's so great. It's so epic. And I'm like, this is terrible. Compared to the early seasons, this is garbage. No one no one listened to me. And then season eight came out, and everyone's like, this is the worst ending ever. The last two seasons, all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we all knew the last two seasons. Season seven was bad, too. And I was like, no, no one was backing me up when I said season. Everyone was loving these big battles in season seven. Give me a break. Even season six had is where I mean, Really, season five is as soon as George R. R. Martin left the writers' room, that show went downhill. That's season four. Just after that, just cut it. Just cut it. Well, they must have really dropped the ball pretty hard because I know the showrunners were like in line to be doing Star Wars type shit. Um, yeah, and all all of that talk has just dissipated in in the past couple of years, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, some of the things conceptually, like, I think could be interesting with the ending, which I think is probably credit to George R. R. Martin. He gave him these, like, this is basically how it wraps up, but it was just so poorly handled. Um, but I, I do think that, uh, I've never read the books, but when they are finished, I would probably like to read them all, because I, I think there's ideas in the ending that are interesting and could work, but they just uh, failed to do so in the TV show. Gotcha. So Brad was uh, sitting around like the end of season six, beginning of season seven, yelling about Game of Thrones having no clothes. And it wasn't until, you know, it all came to an end that they finally saw. It's like they saw Game of Thrones' cock dangling in the wind. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was there the whole time. <laughs> it was pitiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm just picturing Brad yelling, boo, boo, rubbish, <laughs> boo, boo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I might check out Game of Thrones. HBO Max has kind of been nagging at me for months now. It's like, it's it's a very attractive package right now. It's a good service. Um, it is a good service. Yeah. I haven't had access to HBO since probably the first season of Game of Thrones, and I'm I'm thinking about coming crawling back, and uh, that is something I probably would end up checking out just to, you know, see what all the hubbub was about. And, you know, yeah. the good thing about knowing where it ends up, because it has been entirely spoiled for me, is that if it does start to drag ass and, like, start to nag at me, I can just drop it. Like, <laughs> it's like, That's I true, know man. what I'm missing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, but moving right along... Uh, uh, I don't imagine Kick-Ass is debuting on 4K. This is just a steelbook, correct? Um, let me let me verify that. Yeah, it's been out already. Yep, you're right. Yeah, I, I kind of figured. But um, we have, I believe, debuting uh, on Blu-ray and 4K, I believe, is uh, Antebellum. Um, this movie made quite a bit of buzz when it came out, and the marketing for it was very provocative. Um, it, lo- it looked intriguing. Uh, I... I Good, good sign from the marketing is that I'm not entirely sure what it is, and yet I'm still I'm still interested enough to check it out. Yeah, um, have uh, you gotten I, around I to seeing this one yet? Haven't seen it yet. I do want to. Um, I believe I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I had the uh, twist because they they do say I everything every review I read mentioned a twist, so I don't think it's unfair to say there is a twist. But I'm pretty sure I had the twist spoiled for me. Um. So I kind of already know where it's going to go, but I am curious to watch it. Um, it did. It kind of got not the greatest reception, um, but I'm I'm definitely very intrigued. Uh, I would have seen it sooner if it wasn't that uh, twenty dollar rental price tag when it first came out. But I uh, 
probably won't pick it up, but I do uh, want to see it. And I, I can't tell if it's just like the slip cover or is this actually a red 4K case? Do you can you you see what I'm seeing here? I, I see what you're seeing, and I can't confirm either way. Um, but you know, th- I know those exist, and that would be kind of cool. <laughs> be a handsome I, 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 to put I disagree. On your shelf. <laughs> I, I would not want this on my shelf if it's red. What you don't want people to think you have a single solitary uh, HD DVD on your shelf? <laughs> it, yeah, I just <laughs> hang on. Let me see if I can find. Uh... Yeah, uh, I'm gonna a, look. Uh, I'm gonna look uh, into this. See if I can find uh, an unboxing. You know, working at a thrift store, I, I always got a chuckle out of when people would donate HD DVDs, just because it's like nobody's gonna do anything with that, right? <laughs> uh, those red cases—they always stuck out like a sore thumb. And it's like, oh man, I, I wonder, I wonder what the figures are like for like how many people actually invested in HD DVD. Because in my mind, it was like, no, we're not doing that. But some, I'm sure some people leaned into it. I don't know how oh, many. Oh, for sure. But they know who they know who they are. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was not an early adopter of either Blu-ray or HD DVD, so I didn't have to make that decision. But um, yeah, definitely a weird time. Very weird time for physical media. Yeah, no, it was kind of exciting to watch it all unfold. But like you, um, I I sat things out until the clear winner had already emerged, so I I didn't end up wasting any money on either one. Um, yeah, actually, my first Blu-ray player was a PS3. Um, it wasn't like the original generation PS3; it was like the slimmer model. But um, before that, I remember investing in a uh, upscaling uh, DVD player. And I'll mm, never forget yeah. the the first time I, I hooked it up to my TV, like, I think I had a setting incorrect or I had the wrong cables or something. And I just remember turning it on, and this was my first LCD HD TV. And I just remember being so excited to see what it what HD finally looked like. Um, and it looked like complete, total shit. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was so disheartened. I was so crestfallen yeah. for, like, the whole day. And then I think my roommate came home from work and like helped me figure it out. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like complete shit. <laughs> yeah. Your, your, your eyes were finally open to the, the truth. Your, your eyes finally saw the light. <laughs> um, any news on your, uh, on your red case for antebellum? It looks like the case is actually black. So we are okay. We're good. I could potentially buy this. Okay, so you're gonna no. you could potentially buy the 4K standard black plastic disc. Yeah, yeah um, for yeah. Antebellum. Okay, My 4K forward. collection is not large enough to uh, warrant a unblack case. Now maybe clear, maybe clear. I could go. I'm I'm at the stage where I could go clear, black or clear. But we're, if we're talking red, no. The you know Incredible Hulk. I think it's just a Blu-ray that was green, but like that green Blu-ray case. Couldn't do that. Yeah, we got it right now. The collection is too small. Something like that would stick out, and it would be so gross to me. Couldn't do it. Yeah, I remember the Incredible Hulk uh, Blu-ray was green, and it sticks out like a sore thumb because it's like, it's like, not only does it stick out among the shelf, like if you just put it in like your MCU section or something, it sticks out, and it's like the worst one. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Why are you drawing attention to yourself, Hulk? <laughs> it actually, yeah, the case actually looks like vomit, which is what it makes me want to do. That's ugh, not good. I mean, not good. Something like something like that's acceptable for like 
a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie or like the Toxic Crusader maybe, but like mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk part of a, you know, a grander plan. It just, why, why did you have to fuck it up? <laughs> like, yeah. I very mean, strange. I mean, wasn't that like the only uh, universal movie of the MCU films? I, I want to say it was universal. Yeah. That may, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That makes sense then. Yeah. So they, they probably fussed with things and now like Kevin Feige, you know, his uh, monkey butt hairdo is just continually retreating and <laughs> running for the hills over all like over the knowledge of the fact that there are a whole bunch of green incredible hulk discs floating around out there um but i'll let you have the next pick brad um what what jumps out at you oh let's see uh jumping out at me i guess um boy i'm trying to see something that i actually have something to say about <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty thin week i guess here i'll, I'll throw this out um well greece is greece is this the first time it's been on 4k because i can talk about greece but that might just be a steelbook uh, i'm um, not sure what... uh looks like it did come out uh yeah it's been out for a while now so i won't talk about greece but i will talk about a movie not a movie a show called uh, The Crown, The Crown, the complete third season coming out. Um, only reason I'll mention this is because I just started watching The Crown, actually. Uh, you know, a while ago, I was like, who cares about The Crown? Why would anybody watch a, The Crown? Who cares about the royal family? And then they come out with The Princess Diana season, and I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued. And I, I'm o- I've only watched the first three episodes, but I got to say, I've gone from not caring about the uh, royal family to being invested i'm I'm in i'm in all i'm all in on the royal family i'm i'm all in on the drama so i still have a ways to go before i get to season three which uh is here but uh i'm excited and i love the concept the idea of like them recasting every two seasons to age the characters by 20 years i think that's a really cool concept um so i've been i've been looking forward to that yeah i've heard very good things about the series i haven't checked it out myself but um the funny thing about the english-speaking corner of the internet is that you get a lot of uk news whether you want it or not sometimes yeah (laughs) and uh some some of the corners of the internet like movie news that i peruse uh have been abuzz about the you know the new season of the crown and whatnot it's like seeing all the screenshots and all the positive press it's been getting it's like "Mm, you know uh, it sounds interesting. I would check it out. Plus, you know, the cast is like it's made up of all stars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this it's proof that advertising works because I've gone in four years from thinking, oh, that show will be boring. I'm never watching that to, uh, you know, they, they slowly wore me down and I finally hit play on Netflix and uh, I'm in. So if you, if you don't have Netflix, you can now watch up to season three on, uh, on Blu-ray. Well, I mean... Part of the interesting thing about like these these like true life stories and whatnot about public figures is like you start to get to territory where it's like oh shit I was I was alive for that like I, yeah I remember the headlines and stuff at the time I think that's like I I want to say the the OJ Simpson uh, miniseries really kind of started the trend of revisiting mm-hmm. like the late eighties early nineties like ripped from the headlines. Uh, stories and stuff um and you, there's been a whole slew of them since but i want to say that was like the first really big one and 
you know, the Princess Diana story for sure. Unfortunately, I only remember the end of her life, but it is something that as a child, I certainly remember when it happened. And I do remember like all the adults, you know, head and shoulders over me, like talking about it and stuff. So I think it's fascinating for us all to like revisit all the, the stories that we remember just kind of like touching just a little bit in our youth. And now it's like, huh. I should probably find out what the what the fuck actually happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like what the OJ show. I mean, obviously I knew uh, a lot of the basics of it, but I mean, there was there was a lot that I didn't know, especially with regards to like behind the scenes courtroom stuff. Um and uh so yeah, that that, that show I think is great. I loved watching that one. Yeah, I'm actually kicking myself. Um I no longer have access to Netflix, but um I watched like the first couple parts of it um, and then I lost access to Netflix and I was like, shit, should finish that. <laughs> should, yeah. Shouldn't have wasted my time like watching, rewatching whatever 90s movies I've rewatched and <laughs> should just finish that fucking amazing series. <laughs> but yep. uh, someday, I guess, uh, that and what, The the Last Dance, which apparently um, you're are you going to find a way to make that your best movie of the year? <laughs> we'll see. I don't want to spoil anything, but if there, if there's any year where it could happen, it will be this one. Um, doesn't mean it will happen, but certainly this year more than any other, there is a chance that TV show could be the best movie of 2020. I mean, you got to make it work somehow. And I've, yeah. I've heard it's amazing. And you've, even on your show, the cinema speak podcast, I've heard you say some pretty remarkable things about it. So whenever it is, I get, back on the netflix train it's going to be one of the first things to check out definitely um, yeah um i'll just i don't have a whole lot to say about but i just want to point out that there is an arrow release for a film called the lake michigan monster which has a hilarious cover um it looks like a, a black and white b movie it was from 2018 so it, it's like made to look old school i'm guessing but done mm. in you know a very new school way but just the name and just the cover makes me smile. So it's it's not anything I'm going to be investing time or money into, but it exists and it makes me smile. <laughs> but moving right along here, uh, we have a direct-to-video direct release of a Bruce Willis movie called Hard Kill. Um, not Hard to Kill. That would be a Steven Seagal film from the 90s. Just Hard Kill. Um, now, uh, terrible. is this a Lionsgate release? Cause, uh, oh, oh, you you better believe it, Brad. I'm just gonna guess that right up front. <laughs> ever since you pointed that out, now I can every time, like I see it I, as soon as you mention, like you, I don't know what movie you pointed out first. Now every time I I can tell it's it's pretty crazy actually. <laughs> they know their audience. They know their yeah. product, and they know their audience. And you know, I've consumed many of their products, so um. I'm not about to watch this one because when Bruce Willis doesn't try, uh, it's it's rough. Like, um, uh, John Travolta had a string of movies he made with uh, I think it was Saban Pictures. That would be mm. the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers folks. Um, and the one thing about John Travolta is he always tries, even when the movie's silly, even when he decides to wear a dumb fucking wig. In a movie called I Am Wrath, <laughs> um, he still tries. He still shows up. And uh, Bruce Willis, unfortunately, doesn't have that work ethic, I guess. Um, when, when he decides he's going to phone it in, the whole, he drags the whole thing down with him. Have you uh, have you seen, uh, what is it, uh, is it Death Wish? Is that the right title? The 
Yeah, I have. <laughs> That's an example of what I'm talking about. I, I I agree. Maybe he's not great in it, but I actually I I like Death Wish. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I I mean, what shocked me about that, and actually the only reason I watched it, um, is because it's an Eli Roth film, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't help but draw comparisons to Kevin Smith's Cop Out, which also starred Bruce Willis, and I. I'm sorry, I can't help but laugh about that title. That it just so happens that that's the only film, as far as I know, that Kevin Smith hasn't also written. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like his, it's his only like work for hire kind of, kind of gig, and everything about it just screams nobody, nobody's on board with this, especially Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's the perfect <laughs> title. It's the perfect title. It's perfect. It, it's very meta, and you know, being as it's it's Kevin Smith and he's a comic book guy, it fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about Death Wish, the remake of Death Wish, is that in my mind, that's kind of similar. It's like the same deal, just with Eli Roth, where normally his products have a certain flavor to them. They have a certain he puts his fingerprints all over his all over his films. Uh, they feel very much like his products, and that one just that was just a hired gun job. Like I didn't yeah. find him in there. I was looking really hard, and I barely found him in there. Even like the even like the violence. Like which, the original Death Wish is it's a brutal film. It's not a gory film, but you know it, it has some pretty heavy shit in there. Like it, it's got you know gun violence and and rape. It's it's a intense film, but the the remake kind of scales everything back and it like sanitizes it. And I'm like, Eli Roth sanitizing something? <laughs> <laughs> like what? That doesn't compute. This is the man who decided to have a girl take a shit in a corner right after a cannibalistic scene. <laughs> Vulgar is the name of the game with him, and everything about Death Wish. It's like, really, he did this. <laughs> but I, 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 I think I just remember uh, the ice cream man scene, which I, uh, I I did like the ice cream man scene where he just walks up to the guy sitting on a chair, and he just I I can't remember exactly. He just basically goes, "Are you the ice cream man?" And the guy goes, "Yeah," and he says some kind of line that's terrible, but it's, it's like just one shot of him just walking up to him, asking if he's the ice cream man, and shooting him and walking away. Ah, made the movie. That scene made the movie for me. <laughs> See, I guess what I would have expected and wanted from that, like the combination of Bruce Willis and Eli Roth in a in a remake of a pretty heavy fucking movie, what I would have expected was like Punisher Warzone, like. Mm. It's bad. Like, don't get me wrong. It's bad, but it's colorful. It's and it's crazy violent, and it's it's just stupid fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a terribly violent action film. It, like the action scenes aren't terribly bombastic, and even like the intensity of the storytelling is actually dialed back several notches from the original. So it, in my mind, it's mostly a failure of a remake. But um, forevermore, it, it's just that weird little bump in the road for Eli Roth's filmography where it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Remember that one time, that one weekend where you hung out with Bruce Willis and shot a movie? He <laughs> was like, yeah, I did that so I could make other movies. Fuck off. <laughs> hey, everybody, he's got to pay the bills somehow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing about being a professional in Hollywood is, you know, sometimes you, you just got to pay the bills and sometimes mm-hmm. you, you just got to work. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Everything you do is going to be a work of art. Sometimes you just got to put in some work. Um, so we'll see what what comes of he and Kevin Smith's careers. Because it sounds like Kevin Smith is kind of winding down. I don't even know what Eli Roth has in the pipe right now, except for that um, 
docu docu series he's been doing for Shutter. Yeah, he did one movie after Death Wish. It was that uh, kids movie, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Oh yeah, Kyle um, really liked that actually. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and you could, I mean, not that you could specifically see an Eli Roth influence, but for a kids movie, it was pretty. I would say intense for you know a PG kids movie, like in terms of leaning into some horror angles, kind of like how some darker kids movies from like the 80s might have been. Um, so, not, yeah, not necessarily an Eli Roth influence, but certainly you could tell there's, you know, that a horror director is at the helm type thing. But, uh, yeah, I would say most people would agree that's the more successful of his studio films. Yeah, um, and I saw a behind-the-scenes photo with Greg, Greg uh, Nicotero in it, so I was like, oh, it's in good hands. Like, mm-hmm. you, you'll get you'll get some maybe not gore but at the very least some animatronics or some prosthetics or something we can all be proud of yeah so yeah um, i'm not about to run out to go watch that or anything but uh i have heard mostly good things about it but um moving along though uh we have something called misbehavior which i'm only spotlighting because it it's a 2020 release uh it looks like it's a shout factory release mm. um and it has a shit ton of names on the cover, some of which I know. Not all of them, though. <laughs> um, is this one known to you at all? Maybe now that I'm looking at the cast, maybe I heard of this at some point. But, uh, yeah, very weird combination of people here. I mean, you've got uh, Kira Knightley, Greg Kinnear, Reese Fons, Leslie Manville. You got my girl, Jessie Buckley. I guess I'm going to have to watch this. I didn't realize she was in this. Oh boy. Yeah, you've you've had some pretty positive things to say about Miss Bugley. Yeah, let's see. Is this a black is this on sale for Black Friday? I hope it is cuz I'm going to I'm going to be buying this either way. <laughs> 15 bucks, well. All right. Might have to well, let me look into how much she's in it. Might if we got if we're talking more than 10 minutes of screen time, it's a buy. If it's less than 10 minutes, it's a rent. We'll see. Well, I see three people listed as with with an and and jesse buckley is not one of them so mm-hmm. you know it looks like and it looks it looks like they're you know kind of center in the frame on the poster so you know may, maybe i don't know <laughs> all right i'm in you've convinced me i'm in okay okay well we got one like that doesn't happen every month so brad this brad's down for misbehavior this is why i'm so glad we do this this would have totally slipped through the cracks if uh, we hadn't specifically pointed it out and i'd clicked on it and saw she was in it like oh man Great. It's a great day. Great day. <laughs> well, um, I'll let you pick the next one, Brad. Um, if you can, you know, get your eyes off of Ms. Buckley on the cover of Ms. <laughs> um, well, one, it's actually kind of tossing it back to you a little bit, but worth mentioning is um, Man of the Year, the Robin Williams movie, which I think we talked about this on my show, actually, and you kind of told me what it's actually about, which totally took me by surprise i didn't realize that uh it was more of a uh kind of a thriller like didn't you say there's like a bit of a conspiracy vibe to it or something like that yeah it's it's like a conspiracy thriller that cuts back to robin williams improvising uh every once in a while to keep you engaged um this this is very much a case of a uh, marketing spinning a yarn uh, <laughs> i i, I kind of liken it to like bruce almighty a little bit where Mm -hmm. bruce almighty was a movie that was entirely marketed based on the funny parts with jim carrey being jim carrey 
and then you get towards the end of that film and it's like oh fuck like this is like end of the world type shit and it's like it's oh it's a moral story and everything and there's like actual dramatic weight in the story and same with click where the marketing for click was mostly a a woman's breasts bouncing in slow motion Um, (laughs) and then in reverse and then in slow motion again (laughs) Um, that was the marketing for click and then you watch that movie and it's pretty fucking heavy. <laughs> like, it's, it's depressing, uh, the, man. It's a depressing this, the scene movie. Of him, the scene of him in the rain, like being cradled by his son, is like, it's heart wrenching. <laughs> it's a solid drama, actually. Yeah. Um, but that's not how that film was marketed at all. Um, and even uh, fucking Robin Williams, man. Even Bicentennial, man. Same fucking deal. Where that movie was mostly marketed on Robin Williams' his funny robot man. And then you watch it, and it's like, oh, God, it's about a robot trying to find his soul and die. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all the people around him getting old and dying before him. <laughs> yeah. And Man of the Year was exactly that, where all the marketing was him doing Robin Williams shtick, um, basically masquerading as, like, like uh, a Daily Show-type person. And, uh, yeah, the actual movie is Laura Linney, on the run from Jeff Goldblum and his uh, black-suited goons trying to assassinate her. And, oh, by the way, they drug her and make her think she's crazy. <laughs> that is it's just a so baffling. Movie. I would have never thought in a million years that... Like, That's why I think it's fascinating. Like, I almost I know think you're why lying they're... to me. I almost don't know if I believe you. I have to watch this to see it for myself. You, I mean, disclaimer, it's not good. Yeah. Like, I've already said that a couple of times, but... Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's like a a waste of your time though. I think I actually think it's kind of a fascinating movie because of what it is. Where it's like it's such a strange beast that's like how the fuck did somebody think this was gonna work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's very bipolar, <laughs> very weird, very strange. But uh, I'm curious. Won't be picking it up, but I am curious. Yeah, I'm, I think it's probably free on several streaming services by now. I mean, obviously it, it was released because you know election year and whatnot mm-hmm. um and yeah we seem you know and people miss robin williams so it's pretty easy to slap his face on the cover or something and people somebody's gonna buy it but yeah um moving right along though damn this is a thin fucking week <laughs> yeah this week I'm, is not the strongest yeah uh there's probably a lot of artsy stuff that I could key in on. Um, I'll just mention uh, Let's Scare Julia. The only reason I mention it is because it's a 2020 film. Uh, I like to try to spotlight the things that are debuting. Uh, same goes for They Reach, um, which has, I can't tell if it's like a Cthulhu or a they or a, a zombie vibe to it, but starring no one I'm aware of. And the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it came out this year. Uh <laughs> We have several anime releases. Um, one thing that we tend to do, or tend not to do, on uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episodes is uh, talk at length about uh, anime releases, mostly because they are innumerable. They are legion. Um, and I don't have my finger to the pulse well enough to really know what's worth talking about. So we tend to gloss over them. However, the things that I am aware of and the things that I, I know are praiseworthy, I'll I'll make sure to point out. So it's not like we're completely ignoring that subgenre, but um, just throwing it out there. But uh, yeah, shit. I mean, there's something called shuttlecock. Um, <laughs> so I know, I know that refers to badminton, but you know, it's a fun thing to say. So uh, I'm just gonna move on to the next week because it's it's a pretty thin week and not about. That seems fair. 
yeah, so let's skip on down to November 10th. Uh, and right off the bat, we have something that you very recently reviewed on your show, Brad. Uh, what would that be? It is uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, which uh, we did review because it just came out on Blu-ray. Um, I'm not a huge Bill and Ted fan. Um, this one was, you know, enjoyable enough, I guess, watchable. Uh, so if you're a fan of the other ones, I, I think it does fit in pretty nicely with those. But these have never been my favorite comedies or anything like that. But um, it it is a fun little watch. And, uh, you know, certainly in terms of big 2020 releases, uh, I mean, in the last few months, there hasn't been much. So this is definitely worth noting because of that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the few high-profile things that I want to say got a limited theatrical release. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the charm of the Bill and Ted films, to be honest, is that I don't think they're anyone's favorite movies, but they're mm-hmm. they're very cozy. They're very easy to come back to. I like that they're I like that they're low stakes. Like I, one of the things that I I want to say, your buddy on that episode actually mentioned that. Um, they never have like the rom-com problem where it's like, okay, well yeah. they need to fight now. It's like, why? So they can break up and they can get back together for the final act. It's like, no, they're Bill and Ted. Like they, they never do that. Like they shout at each other like once in the first movie and then everything's cool. <laughs> That's about it. And I, I really enjoy that about the movies. Um, funny enough, I didn't see Bogus Journey until about a year ago. Mm. And, uh, Kyle was he was a strong proponent of it. He was the one that was kind of rallying for me to check it out. And you know, honestly, I think I like it the best. Like I haven't seen this one yet, but I think I like it better than Excellent Journey. That's where it's I haven't seen Bogus Journey since I was pretty young, but I hold that one higher in my head than the uh original. Um I I I I just like the stuff in hell, I think uh that kind of stuff is a little more up my alley than uh you know the time travel stuff but uh I, that one i do need to watch because it's been it's been a while but uh i kind of agree with you from what i remember yeah excellent adventure sorry i'll correct myself excellent adventure is kind of it's kind of quaint actually in retrospect mm-hmm. where it, it does have like kind of a low budget kind of feel to it where it's like you know we're we're, we're gonna do some stuff with costuming and sets and whatnot but we're not gonna go we're not gonna go bonkers with this we're not gonna go totally bananas uh, we're gonna yeah. save that for the sequel um, where production design, and, like the production design in that film is outstanding. Like it, it looks like a Ren and Stimpy cartoon come to life at times. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that that was just kind of the cultural vibe of, of the age in which it came out. Um, and it, it fits in perfectly. And uh, we've actually reviewed some other films that embody that kind of aesthetic on, on Catching Up on Cinema. Like um, Highway to Hell is one that comes to mind. Um, and... It does like if you put them side by side, it's like you guys are probably like you probably have the same thought in your mind. Only difference is like Bogus Journey, like actually doesn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because Highway to Hell isn't very good, but it has some moments and some just like aspects of the production design that are kind of novel and fun to look at. But on the whole, it's just like, wow, they, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> Whereas Bogus Journey, it's like, oh, this is a complete thought. Like, it actually isn't totally off the rails. This is a, it's a real movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would very much like to check this out. I mean, Al- Alex Winter is an endearing personality. Like, I actually wish he would do more because I've seen him in tons of interviews over the years. And he, 
just seems like a cool guy and he always has a lot to say and i know he i think he produces and directs a lot of things okay Um, but but acting he kind of like hung it up for a very long stretch of time Uh, we actually reviewed um a movie i think he directed um it was uh, freaked Mm. um we did it a long time ago but uh, keanu has a cameo in there as a a dog man (laughs) (laughs) but that movie is very much an example of like the same kind of look and feel that bogus journey has yeah but in terms of like managing the production it's like i don't know if anyone knows what they're doing (laughs) 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 we're just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks it's very uh monkey bone-esque in that way okay yeah Um, speaking of which monkey bone future episode I'd like feel free to steal that one, Brad, if you haven't already done it for your show. Well, my one friend is a big fan of Monkey Bone. Um, when we did our top 100, he had it on his list, so I've I've never seen it, and I've been curious to uh, check it out. Very, I had no idea it was directed by uh, what's his name, Henry Selick. Is that Selick. Uh, right? Yeah. Which I when I saw because like every other film he does, obviously they're not live action, but every other film is like hugely acclaimed, and then this one. I, I remember having a pretty bad reputation, so I'm very curious to uh, check it out for the first time. You you can't hate Monkey Bone. You you mm-hmm. just can't. Like it it is bonkers. It it very seldom makes sense, even with on its own terms. But it's it's worth a look. Like I I can't hate Monkey Bone. I I think it's kind of fun to look at at times. And Brendan Fraser's you know he's a delight always. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, feel free to steal that one because uh, I know for sure I've had it on our our watch list for quite a while. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, um, but moving right along, uh, we have the customary. Uh, I want to say this is a Scream Factory release of a canon film, or uh, rather a uh, uh, what? Who, who Hammer. 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 <laughs> uh, not canon. Hammer film. Uh, it seems like every month they they put out at least one Hammer, uh, Dracula, or Frankenstein movie. Uh, this would be Brides of Dracula. Um, we also have the complete office collection uh, for desperation uh, Christmas gifts, I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it is leaving Netflix, so people are going to be looking for this. That is a good gift idea. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a short series as far as I know, so it's probably not as expensive as like a game. The Office? On, uh, t- it says 2009 to 2012 here. Is that right? I want like that doesn't no. sound right to me. I want to say it was a long series, but yeah, it, it was it was like nine seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you click on it in the click on the link and then in the still photo when you load up the individual page, it says all nine seasons, but on the thing oh. it says four seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty long show. Okay, well, never mind. That that's gonna be like a entire family gift where it's like this is from all of us yeah maybe maybe this is some editorializing from blu-ray.com and they think it went downhill after uh season four or something like that (laughs) secret agenda on their part yeah uh but yeah that's a good gift idea for office fanatics of which i know there are way too many just based on the number of gifts that get circulated um i've never seen that show but i've seen so many gifts i feel like i have seen it yeah, yeah, it it is a great show. Um, I I watched it when it was still on TV, and I thought it was pretty popular back then. But it, I had no idea the level that it would get to in popularity once it became readily available for rewatch on Netflix. Um, makes makes me feel like I'm a hipster that watched it before everyone else, even though it was like a hugely popular show when it was on. 
Uh, it's a uh, it's kind of funny because it's like a it's like a almost like a dialect to be honest where it's similar to like a seinfeld i guess but even more so mm-hmm. it's like seinfeld yeah. was it, it, it far from niche but you know in terms of like meme culture and stuff it existed in a in an era where we weren't there yet so you know your yeah. average person just you know didn't pay as much attention or didn't key in on as much details as they do nowadays and the office just right time right place i guess it's it is like a a dialect unto itself where there's tons of conversations that i just kind of have to sit out and just nod my head and be like uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you know same with with any like pop culture property where it's like if you don't know star trek shit it's like well i guess i'll just sit back and listen until you guys shut the fuck up about star trek <laughs> Yeah, that's why some some things I just watch just so I can be part of the conversation when I'm not even really interested in them. I mean, water cooler chat is a thing, and uh, some, sometimes it does help to be watching that weekly show that everybody else is watching. And you yeah, know, Game of Thrones. I certainly got that at work when that was when that was new, where every yep. episode would come out every week, and you know, I just kind of have to sit at my desk and you know, actually do work. <laughs> uh, but moving on, uh, we have uh, Mulan, uh, the 2020 version, and the uh, animated version from 1998, uh, both on 4K. I don't believe the 98 version... No, the uh, 98 version is also debuting on the format. Um, have you seen uh, Mulan 2020? Uh, I have not seen the new one yet, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out before the end of the year. Just Because ba- they did the unique release where they debuted it on Disney Plus, but you had to spend like $30, I think, to like access it on Disney Plus. And I can't speak for, you know, amount of money made. They might have made a lot of money from that. I don't know. But I feel like in terms of generating buzz and discussion, I feel like it was maybe a bit of a flop in that regard because it seems like it came and sort of went and maybe the movie's just not that good. I don't know. I know there's there were some controversies leading into the film as well, so maybe some people didn't watch it because of that. But um, I don't know. It seems like a, a big movie like this would have been a bit of a had bit had a bit more of a splash in terms of people watching it and talking about it. Um, you know, even like some of the other live action remakes, like the uh, the Aladdin one. I mean, everybody kind of made fun of that when it was first coming out, and it made so much money and it certainly had some staying power um but this one kind of seems like it just came and went and i could see where i think it's december 10th or something is when it becomes free on disney plus i could see maybe this that's when it's going to actually get its you know spark that people will watch it and talk about it so we'll see i probably will watch it when it uh comes to disney plus for free my girlfriend has disney plus so um, but, uh, other than that, I don't have, don't have too much interest. Yeah. Um, I was kind of dreading the release of Mulan. Like it was just this, this thing looming over the horizon for years where I, I, I caught wind of it early on and I was just like, Oh, that, that's the one that's gonna, that's gonna set like the tone going forward because everybody knows it's no secret that, you know, uh, the Chinese box office is extraordinarily valuable to Hollywood. Um, and this is Disney explicitly like pandering to that audience. Um, and as far as I understand, like like historically, that doesn't usually work out when you mm-hmm. when you when you design a product from the ground up 
expressly for the purpose of inviting like that specific demographic to enjoy your product. Um, I know it, I know it's fallen flat on his face before. Um, and everything about this movie, like before it actually came out, when we finally saw trailers for it, I was like, that just doesn't look very good. <laughs> like nothing about it actually looked all that good to me. Like it, it looked a little chintzy. Like it yeah. didn't look, it didn't look as expensive as it probably was. Um, I know the decision was made at some point that, oh, Chinese audiences don't like musicals, so we're going to take the 98 musical and remove the songs from it that, you know, most American audiences in particular really latched onto and really loved. Hell, even the Chinese version of the 98 one, Jackie Chan sings the most famous song from it in the in the Mandarin dub of the movie. So obviously it worked for someone <laughs> in China, but... Um, yeah, just the look of it, the the casting, like it it just didn't have that appeal to it where it seemed like something to get excited about. And you know, I'm a diehard Donnie Yen fan, but seeing him in this kind of movie in that kind of role, I was like, "Uh, he's not going to do much." <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, it nothing about it really built up any enthusiasm for me. And it as far as I understand it, it was a big disappointment for Disney. Um I'm not in a hurry to check it out. In fact, I've never even seen the the animated version, um, which is kind of funny because it came out in a time when I probably should have been really hyped for it, but it, for whatever yeah, reason, it's it just didn't hit me. Been a while since I've seen the original. I, I, you know, I don't hold it in that high regard, but I think I liked it when I was younger. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely when I heard they were doing a live action Mulan, I actually thought that. In terms of the concept, I thought it would lend itself to a live-action remake better than most of these other Disney live-action remakes. Um, but I, I guess I can't say. But it seems like it uh, has not uh, stood the stood the test of some of these other Disney live-action films. Yeah, and it doesn't help too that this particular story, as far as I know, it's been adapted to film multiple times since the mm-hmm. animated film came out. Like. Not not only I don't think domestically, but in China, like they've made other Mulan films and uh, neutering like the war scenes and stuff by the, by virtue of it being a Disney film probably doesn't do it any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've heard some stuff about the script that just sounds utterly laughable, to be honest. Where it's like, hang on, you're you're making this with Chinese audiences in mind, correct? And yet you put that as a major plot element in the script. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, good job, guys. Way to you know do your cultural sensitivity training and whatnot. Yeah, um, but moving on, um, the only reason I'm going to mention this one because I don't actually know anything about it is because this cover art always jumped out at me at the uh, at the rental store, like the VHS case if, uh, for it when I was a kid. Uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. Um, that cover art always jumped out at me. Uh, to this day, I have no idea what this movie is, um, but it has a wonderful painted cover. Um, we also have our first Criterion release uh, for the month of November, and that would be Girlfriends from 1978. And this is directed by Claudia Weil. Or Weil. Uh, not a director that or a film that is known to me, but as we always tend to say on the show, uh, if it's put out by Criterion, more than likely it is worth your time. Um, we have several re-releases of Clint Eastwood films. Um, actually, 
maybe they're debuting, but we have Play Misty for Me, The Iger Sanction, and The Beguiled, all movies that I'm sure my dad was a big fan of at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen The Iger Sanction, but uh, I'm sure the other I've only seen uh, I've only seen The Beguiled. So Okay. Well, we're two-thirds of the way there. Um, and funny enough, uh, we have what I have to assume is the collected a Blu-ray edition of The Last Dance from 2020. That it is. The best film of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you better pick this one up, Brad, for sure. Yeah, I, I will be picking it. It looks like, I'm looking at it now, it looks like the packaging is pretty stellar, actually. Um, like, you get a 28-page booklet, uh, to- a timeline of Michael's time on the Bulls and all that, over four hours of bonus features. I'm I'm in. I'm in. Um, yeah. Definitely, uh, as of right now, and I don't know really what could pass it, unless I get to season four of The Crown before the end of 2020, right now it's my uh, favorite show of the year for sure. Um, Yeah, just a great story, really well told. Love the the concept of how it follows him in his final season and we keep flashing back to his previous seasons and find out how he and the entire team got there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, even if you're not a fan of basketball, which I'm not like the biggest NBA fan, no, I, I wouldn't even say I'm a big NBA fan. I, you know, I know the NBA, I follow it maybe slightly, but, uh, this is, uh, definitely worth watching for sure. No, I, I'm actually very excited to check it out at some point. Um, largely because of what we were talking about earlier about, I, I was alive. Like when yeah. this all was happening and I probably was aware of it to some extent, even if I wasn't directly paying attention to it. And uh, the 90s was the time in which I actually cared somewhat about the NBA. Um, I really didn't keep up with it, but my brother keeps poking me and telling me, you really should. It's pretty fucking great now. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but like the 90s with like video games like NBA Jam and the fact that my, my hometown where I still live to this day, Seattle, we had the Supersonics and they did win a championship. You know, they were kind of good. <laughs> like um, It gave me a reason to be invested in the NBA during this time period. And I'm sure the documentary um, also serves as like just a a documentary about the era itself like not just the nba and basketball but also what was going on in the country at the time and oh yeah uh, t- tell me this brad do they talk about wcw at all uh wcw i i'm blanking on what that even yep. is dennis rodman and carl malone uh both did a stint in wrestling oh um, yeah i think they do yep, that, i that something about something with wrestling and Dennis Rodman does come up. Yep. Yep. Very yep. briefly, but yeah, I believe that is in there. Yeah. Ah, awesome. That see that alone. That's that's my reason to to buy the whole fucking box. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to say it's like maybe thirty <laughs> seconds of it's mentioned in passing, but I bl- I believe it is in there. Um. Yeah. I I think I remember that. Well, if I see the Hulkster with his NWO gear for two seconds, <laughs> I'll be happy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited to check that out. But yeah, um, I'll give you the next pick, Brad. Uh, balls to you. What what jumps out at you? Well, why don't I mention this one here? Let me see uh, who put this out. Yeah, an Arrow release of the Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast. Um, this is 14 movies. And I don't know much about Herschel Gordon Lewis, except I did watch the movie Blood Feast. I think it was about a year ago now. I think I watched it for Halloween. Um, 
and I, I thought it was uh, a pretty fun little film. So I'm guessing this is just a bunch of his movies, kind of these, you know, schlocky B-horror movies, very uh, violent for their times, I would say, very uh, exploitative and stuff. And uh, I'd be curious to watch some of them. Uh, I mean, honestly, you get 14 movies, it's only going for 50 bucks right now. It's 50% off. That is kind of tempting, actually. Um, not gonna, probably not gonna do it, but you know, I was expecting fourteen movies. This would be way more expensive. That's pretty reasonable. But um, I did, I did like Blood Feast uh, a fair amount um, for what it was. So I would be curious to watch some more. I have to assume he's like a, a proto Lloyd Kaufman kind of, yeah, like a, a pre-trauma Lloyd Kaufman kind of like yeah. personality, but. I mean, you can't beat that value. Um, I am not terribly familiar with him, but I will say that the name rings a bell. Uh, so I'm sure if I dug a little deeper, I'd be like, oh, that guy. Yeah, and I recognize a few of these titles just by their names alone, like the Gore Gore Girls, um, then Blood Feast, uh, 2000 Maniacs I've heard of before. Yeah, so there's some of these that, you know, have, I won't say stood the test of time necessarily, but... Uh, Definitely some recognizable titles if you're in the horror scene. Gotcha. Well, maybe maybe for that price, worth a look. But yeah, it's quite the, that's that's quite the value. And um, it is from Arrow, and they always do a great job with their packaging and their supplements and everything. So, always a plus. Yeah, you can put it on your coffee table. It can be a conversation piece. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, when your grandparents come to visit when COVID is over. Uh, so what have you been up to, uh, grandson? Oh, I, well, check this out. It's the Herschel Gordon Lewis feast. I got it from uh, Amazon for forty nine ninety nine, 50% off. And they'll just probably go back home and they won't come over again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time we ever spoke. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to skip on down a couple of lines here because it looks like Ah man, even the even the Arrow releases are kind of mm, not really jumping out at me. We have an Arrow release called Burst City. It's a Japanese film from 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a little bit of a uh, uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man kind of vibe to it, kind of like a punk rock aesthetic. But Tetsuo is kind of a unique film. I seriously doubt it's on par with that because I haven't. Tetsuo is a, a a a film that gets kicked around like in like avant-garde like film discussions and whatnot whereas burst city is not one i've heard of before so it's it's probably worthwhile being as arrow is distributing it but it's Mm -hmm. probably a lesser film i have to imagine or just entirely different um but we have blade the iron cross from 2020 uh this is part of the puppet master series which i i think got a I don't know if it was a revival, but I do know that they put out another entry in the series like last year, maybe the year before. So it's it just keeps on going, just never yeah. ending. Yeah. Um, and I want to say some of the same people involved in the original film are, are continuing to work on it to this day, kind of similar to uh, the Child's Play franchise, where I can't remember the name of the fellow that like uh, shepherded the entire franchise. But as far as I know, he did all of them except for uh, the the self-titled remake um, with yeah, Plaza. yeah um, yeah that one wasn't that wasn't an awful film i don't know if you saw no it, but no it wasn't uh, it wasn't terrible yeah. yeah it it really could have been a lot worse it was fine and the the music is fucking awesome uh, it's a uh, bear mccrary um he's a he's a talent uh, 
I'm looking forward to any film scores that he does in the future because he he's he's on my good list these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, uh, I guess uh, maybe I don't. Maybe we shouldn't wade into these waters. But finally, getting a release after boycotts and delays and being shelved is uh, Woody Allen's potentially final film, A Rainy Day in New York, which. Uh, pretty crazy that it like took a worldwide pandemic for them to be like all right we'll finally put this in theaters i guess we've got nothing else <laughs> we'll finally wow. release woody allen's final movie <laughs> holy crap i i was not aware of that thank you for spotlighting that um, yeah yeah um that i mean that's a big fucking deal man <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's pretty crazy like obviously you would not get this cast anymore but to look at like the cast that he got for this before you know he was effectively canceled, I mean Timothy Chalamet, Al Fanning, Selena Gomez, Jude Law, Diego Luna, Leah Schreiber, I mean he was still pulling in top tier talent. Um, I don't think that's going to be happening anymore for him. Um, but uh, certainly just interesting that this is finally available to watch. I guess. Yeah, strange that Woody Allen's last film would contain so many distractingly hot people (laughs) (laughs) jesus i mean he he says he's gonna still uh keep working somehow um i don't know i don't know how but uh i mean the guy was putting out a new film every single year since like the 80s which i mean that that is impressive in and of itself but yeah yeah and as far as i know it was mostly good work um he's not Mm -hmm. a director i've really really dove into but um I've seen plenty of films featuring him mostly in an acting capacity. And, you know, say what you will about the guy as a person. Um, he's got talent. Like, he's, he really does. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, before... I mean, a lot, a lot of people knew he was a very questionable guy, but it wasn't certainly as public knowledge for most people. So, you know, hearing about these films that he did like uh annie hall and manhattan i watched them and yeah i i think they're great films so um i make i i am curious to watch more of his stuff uh but uh i do have a couple twilight time blu-rays from him that i picked up and they're going out of uh business sale um not not really certain i'm going to be watching this one but Very, very interesting. Uh, like you could almost make a documentary just about what happened with this movie. <laughs> well, I would. Sounds like I would watch that documentary, but yeah, um, I'll just like, I'll just say this and walk away from it. Um, you put Rebecca Hall in something, I'll show up. <laughs> Is she in this one? Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'll, I'll be utterly distracted and probably not get any of the dialogue, but. I will show up. <laughs> All right. I, I might be watching this actually. I might, I might be watching this. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll uh, find a way to watch it without uh, giving Woody Allen any royalties just to, just to be on the safe <laughs> side with my conscience. <laughs> yeah. Just so you can feel okay about yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but bouncing on down from that, um, I always try to highlight the shutter releases. We have a uh, shutter original release uh metamorphosis from 2019 uh do you know this one brad no i haven't checked this one out um i still i'm still subscribed to shutter still haven't quite pulled the plug on that one yet but uh yeah i don't know much about this but uh you know the shutter films the originals 
they're usually obviously very low budget, but there's usually at least something of interest in them, whether it's an interesting concept or sometimes some interesting effects. So usually there's something worthwhile in there. Okay, well, just glancing at the cast, I can tell you right now it is a Korean film. Um, but yeah, I actually don't know anything about this one. Uh, but seems like they've been pretty consistently putting out, you know, at the very least, decent original content. So mm-hmm. maybe worth a look uh, with your Shutter subscription. Um, but let's see what else we got here. Um, I don't see anything else for the week, Brad. Uh, do you? No, I say keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Okay, move along. Move <laughs> along. Uh, November 17th, uh, 2020. Um, we have a Criterion release of, I believe this is a Jim Jarmusch film, uh, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Um, funny enough, uh, Kyle has kind of started to like probe the depths of the Jarmusch uh, filmography, and... Um, I have not, um, <laughs> but I. But this is the one film that he's made that I have seen. Um, I saw it probably around the time it came out, so that would mean I was probably about 12, um, which means I wasn't terribly invested in what I was watching, but um, it was kind of neat. Like, Forrest Whitaker is a very engaging actor. He can certainly carry a film. Um, I always like seeing him. And uh, the, one, the one thing I remember liking about the movie, or, well, Mostly just the one thing I remember in detail about the movie is there's this fun uh, interaction between him and this, I believe they're a, a French character that uh, they don't speak the same language. He speaks English to the guy and the guy replies in French and somehow their dialogue syncs up where it's like, oh, they, they do understand each other even though they don't understand each other's language. And it, mm. it makes for some fun, some really cute conversations, but uh I wouldn't mind going back and checking this one out. And I think when Kyle asked me if I knew any Jarmusch films, I, I was like, yeah, check out Ghost Dog. It's not bad. Uh, yeah. So Criterion, you know, it's always worth your time. I'm sure they'll do a bang-up job with that release. Uh, we also have a Shout Select release of Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Danny DeVito's Twins. Um, I really enjoy this movie quite a bit. Uh, it's it's just a good, solid, kind of like feel-good movie in a lot of ways. Uh, very funny. Um, and then we have the uh, Resident Evil Complete Collection. I want to say, yes, this is the 4K release of the entire series. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray version of this collected edition, like the cheapo version. Of I uh, I definitely am curious to go. Th- I've never watched any of these films, but I do like the Resident Evil games quite a bit. Um, and it's always it's been one that I think I might have to just sit myself down one time and watch every single one and just kind of like force myself to do it. Even if I want to give up, like, you know, almost like a, it's like a marathon. You just got to, you got to start slow and you got to keep, keep going strong until the end, until you get to the sixth one. But, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't buy it on 4k, but you said there is a, uh, Blu-ray set of it. Yeah. I, I picked it up cause it was very cheap. And for some reason I had, res- I think, uh, the resident evil 3 remake game was coming out very soon and i was like you know i i have i have resident evil on the mind like i may as well go back and revisit those movies use this as an excuse to just immerse myself in resident evil for a while and uh yeah it's a it's a series of mostly downs like it's not a very good film series um it starts out okay gets real fucking bad um improves slightly 
gets pretty fucking bad again and then kind of evens out towards the end like it, it like the last chapter is fine but like some of the ones in between like the fourth and the fifth like four and five it's just like ooh. <laughs> two two i want to say is maybe the low point actually the progression is kind of similar to like the fast and furious series a little bit where it's um it didn't like have a firmly established brand until it got rolling a little bit and then mm-hmm. they once they found that they leaned hard into it where like the fast and furious series by the time you get to the fourth one and everything becomes family (laughs) (laughs) and and then the rock shows up it's like okay we know what we're doing now and we're just going to keep doing that yeah um kind of happened with resident evil also where paul ws anderson started the franchise he walked away from it tried to anyway and then he came crawling back (laughs) and he and he's like well you know i need an excuse to hang out with my wife May as well keep making movies for her. <laughs> hey, it's, it's kind of sweet it. when you put they're it like still that. still at it. Yeah, it is kind of sweet when you think about it, but they're still at it, being as she's in Monster Hunter, uh, which is due out, I think, next year. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird series because it, it's such a time capsule, but it carried on so much so much further beyond that time capsule. Yeah. It's like everything about these movies stylistically belongs to... 10 years before its release date (laughs) like the the first film in particular and the second one are like this is like early 2000s action in bottle form Mm -hmm. and then you get to like the sixth one it's like we're still doing early 2000s shit it's so grossly out of date and yet it's still kind of like fun and nostalgic because of it (laughs) yeah these Um, must have been big international films i'm guessing because i don't think they ever caught on very much here certainly not the sequels yeah mila jovovich can put asses in foreign seats uh, yeah for sure and uh, i know they do well in asia uh all of the movies did so there's a reason why we got i think six of them <laughs> yeah um but beside that box set we also have another criterion release of uh, moonstruck with uh share and nicholas cage i'm pretty sure this was around the time he was like deciding he wasn't a coppola anymore <laughs> um yeah have you seen this one brad <laughs> never seen this one no um yeah i don't know much about it other than the the, the pairing of share and the the share and cage combo yeah it's a it's a italian people in the movie where <laughs> 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 just the novelty of you know somewhat ethnic people in a film could could carry it to oscar <laughs> to oscars um it's fun it's it's a uh, it's maybe a little dated but it's it's fun I, I don't know if it was deserving of some of the awards they got but uh it's not bad for sure i mean certainly the concept is not selling me a widowed brooklyn bookkeeper is torn between her fiance and his brother that sounds like some basic rom-com shit right there <laughs> I mean, the devil's in the details. Like, Nicolas Cage is, I think, missing a couple fingers in it, and he gets to act about that. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, and he has angst, and he gets to yell about his hand, and everybody's shouting, and (laughs) it's it's that kind of movie. It's it's fun. Like, I, I saw it a long time ago, and I'm not in a hurry to revisit it, but it was massively popular when it came out. Yeah. Um, And beside that, though, we have a movie that I would, 
love to talk to somebody about i haven't seen it yet but whenever i get around to it it's inevitable i will end up seeing it um, we have a 4k release of the new mutants the uh, uh <laughs> stuck in purgatory for god knows how long the new mutants it'd be a good double bill with a rainy day in new york i mean there you go like just back to back um <laughs> yeah i saw this i went and saw this at the drive-in um ter- not a good drive-in movie terrible drive-in movie um I think from or was it a really good one? I think it was a bad one because it was very dark. <laughs> <laughs> it was either really good or really bad, but I think it was very dark. Um, so it was tough to see the screen. But uh, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's not horrendous. There's some interesting ideas in there, but yeah, it's no surprise that it was delayed so long, and it's certainly not a hidden gem. Yeah, I, I've I've heard it's it's despite you know all the anticipation like for better for worse honestly like in fact i in some ways this seems like the kind of movie they if it it utterly sucked like if it was complete crap maybe that would have been better because then people would have a reason to talk about it yeah Um, because i guarantee you years from now we're not really going to have much to say about it other than the fact that what anya taylor joy is in it and she's probably going to conquer hollywood in the next couple of years Mm -hmm. um but yeah, this this movie sat on a shelf for a minimum two years, and apparently the the relationship between the director and the studio was terrible. Like they didn't mm-hmm. communicate well, and uh, this was the vic- maybe the victim, the chief victim of the uh, Disney absorbing 20th Century Fox uh, situation. Um, and yeah, uh, as far as I know, it just kind of like came and went like a turd in the wind despite you know all the time it spent just hanging out on a shelf and people knowing about it and knowing it was finished and just waiting for a release did you uh did you hear about the uh the commentary track on this uh this 4k and this blu-ray no but um is it so uh yeah that well i believe let me see if i can pull up the specifics here but it is with the director um and he's with I don't know if it's, I don't want to say it's the creator of the New Mutants. It's somebody involved in, like, the comics. But oh. I remember there was some tension with the guy who created the New Mutants with the movie. Um, like but, yeah, Chris somebody Claremont? in... Does uh, Chris Claremont ring a bell at all? Um, let me see here. Here's Here's the article I read. Let me just pull it up here. But, basically, the commentary track is uh, the director... It's okay. Director Josh Boone and comic book artist Bill Sinkwicks, um, whose work on New Mutants comics directly inspired Boone's film, it says. Um, basically, it's the two of them, and the director is interviewing the uh, guy, the comic book artist. And so it's kind of like a 90 minute interview, and they don't really talk about the film at all. Like the headline, the headline I saw is the new mutants commentary never mentions the film. And when you read the article, <laughs> when you read the article, it's not quite that. Uh, I think they do mention it in passing a few times, but uh, yeah, they barely talk about the movie. So very interesting commentary track there. So maybe worth uh, someday picking up on uh, 4k or Blu-ray just for that content. Uh, maybe I'll pick up the Blu-ray someday then, because I've said it before on the show, um, I've started to get in the habit of, like, if I'm going to revisit a movie from my shelf, a lot of times lately, if it has a director's commentary, I, I 
put it on because I, I find it I find it to be fascinating. You learn a lot mm-hmm. about the film, um, and it's a good way to you know make it feel like you're not completely spinning your wheels and wasting your time. But um, <laughs> that's hilarious. Like I want to yeah. say that maybe that's um, maybe that's the studio kind of butting in a little bit and saying like we don't want you to say anything about how you made this because we know you have nothing but bad things to say and uh disney i mean this does fall under the disney umbrella these days um it's a they're they're like mcu commentary tracks feel kind of controlled a little bit um oh yeah i've I've always been very critical of like the behind the scenes featurettes on all of the mcu discs they're they're so bare bones they really don't get into the nitty-gritty of how like how the sausage is made um so i wouldn't be surprised if somebody said you can have and you can talk for 90 minutes but <laughs> just make sure it's about something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds about right yeah but may- maybe i'll check it out someday um but not in not in the biggest of hurries but um moving on though we have an arrow release of silent running which i know to be uh kind of a it has a strong legacy i don't know exactly know what that entails but i think uh, michael cimino was involved in the production maybe not as director but i know his name was attached to it uh, so looks like, like he a was a classic. writer potentially on it yeah uh, uh that sounds right I, I haven't bothered to check but um it's a movie with a strong reputation again i don't know what that means exactly but it's a title that comes up a lot um in sci-fi discussions of this era of sci-fi film um we have uh, it's a wonderful life on 4k they're getting ahead of the christmas releases i guess uh we have a hammer films ultimate collection box set 1958 to 1971 i'm sure that weighs a ton um and then we have a movie that i am going to rent uh as soon as i get it as soon as it's available at my red box uh unhinged from 2020 i'm gonna i am so fucking excited to see this movie (laughs) i'm unreasonably excited to watch this it it really does hit a nice sweet spot of like uh, a B movie that is actually pretty well made, but it knows that it's a B movie as well and has fun with it. Um, I I really enjoyed it. It was uh the the New Mutants was a bad drive-in watch. Unhinged was the perfect drive-in movie because other than the opening scene, which takes place at night. The entire movie takes place in the daytime, so it was so easy to see. It was 90 minutes. It's uh, bloody at times. It's just kind of like fun, disposable B-movie horror thriller trash with uh, Russell Crowe having a ton of fun in the role. Yeah, I I mean, we kind of mentioned, I mentioned this on my show, that we went to the drive-in and I can't remember what the double bill was, but one of the movies was Unhinged, and we watched Unhinged for the first time. Then I think it was the next week we went back, and we only went back because we wanted to see the first movie, and the other movie was Unhinged, and we were like, oh, we won't stick around. We already saw Unhinged. And we sat, we were still kind of just sitting there waiting to leave, and we ended up watching probably over half of Unhinged again because we just got so sucked into it. And it was a weeknight, and we were like, it's like already after midnight like we gotta get going <laughs> oh brad you're, you're speaking to my soul bloody i don't want to hype it up too much it's, i mean trash. it's not like amazing but 
It's fun. I will say that again. That should be on the cover of this fucking film. Bloody disposable trash. Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all it, man. I needed to hear. I'm seriously. You don't know how excited I am to watch this. When I saw the trailer for it, I was like, "Fucking yes!" Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm. I seriously doubt anyone else was had that reaction, but for some reason. This spoke to me, and I knew right away. I was like, I am going to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm definitely going to need to watch it in the next month or so and see if I can maybe force feed this uh, bad boy on my top ten list of the year. Definitely mm. has some potential in 2020. Maybe not any mm. other year, but this year could happen. Mm. Glad to hear it, man. I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited. In fact, like I'm hyping it up so much, maybe I should just blind buy it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hype you up too much. I don't want to hype you up too much, but I, mean, I think you will enjoy it. Look at the cover art, though, Brad. I, sh- I yeah. should put it facing outward on my shelf just so it can creep people out that walk by. It's like, why is Russell Crowe <laughs> mean mugging me? <laughs> that is pretty good. That is pretty good. It's because I'm telling you which movie you should pick when we inevitably decide to watch a movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, moving on though, we have a 4K release of a. Japanese animated film called Weathering with You. Uh, this is a Makoto Shinkai movie. Uh, they generally have a stellar track record when it comes to their animated films. I want to say they were the one that did. Uh, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it was like an absurdly popular animated film from a couple of years ago. Uh, seriously, I, I have never read more glowing reviews for a film. Uh, mm. And for some reason, I can't remember the name of it. So I'm just going to fucking look it up because <laughs> this is going to bug me. Um, uh, Your Name from 2016. Oh, yeah. 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 I haven't seen it myself, but I know plenty of people who have. And I've read plenty of reviews. And honestly, I don't think I've ever heard more praise showered upon a film, animated or otherwise. Uh, I don't know if Weathering With You has the same reputation, but uh comes from a good director. Uh Bopping on down, uh, we have a uh, release of Relic uh, from 2020, not the 90s one, not the not the one I was raised on, uh, the Monster in the Museum movie uh, that I have a soft spot for, even though it's a trash, bloody disposable trash movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the 2021 is coming to you from IFC Films, and this is one I believe you did for your show, correct, Brett? Yeah, we talked about this one. Um, I was not overly crazy about it, kind of as one of those prestige horror films that is trying to be about something else and just kind of like seems to like think it's a little high and mighty I guess you could say it thinks it's more important than it actually is and very slow I mean it wasn't horrible or anything like that I did like the ending but the film overall didn't do much for me um and uh yeah I think there's been other films to come out this year about uh, dementia that have been much better than this one. Um, I'm think okay. There, I know there was the documentary Dick Johnson is dead. I just talked about. It, and I feel like there was one other one that was actually an, another horror movie about dementia. Maybe I'm imagining that. I don't know. But um, yeah, Relic. I wouldn't rush out and see it or anything. Yeah, I mean the the concept of it. I kind of pieced together what it was about just based on like some critical buzz and maybe a teaser trailer or something. Um, I don't think I don't think the subject matters anything that anyone would ever want to rush out to go see. Uh, it did sound like maybe if you've dealt with that in in your real life, maybe it resonates with you m- more strongly. But 
Um, definitely not a movie I'm in a hurry to check out, although it does have a good reputation among critics. But um, does it does seem like material that's uh, starting to become kind of popular in a horror circle? So where it's like kind of like the the Babadook, where it's like what you what what's in the film isn't really what it is. Like we're talking about something else. We're just talking about in a more crowd pleasing way, I guess. Yeah, and I would say the Babadook does it much much better um than this one okay well i'll kind of reshuffle it put it to the bottom of the list (laughs) (laughs) um but we have a release of several older films um none of which i'm really gonna spotlight here but uh however i will spotlight pokemon mewtwo strikes back (laughs) evolution for 2019 I have to imagine this is a remake of the first Pokemon film that probably came out in 1999. Um, I did see that in the theater. I was horribly embarrassed because I was old enough to feel self-conscious about being in the theater for a Pokemon movie, especially when it's preceded by like Pikachu's summer adventure, whatever the fuck. (laughs) I saw Uh, it in theaters too. I was hyped for it, man. I was hyped. Well, that tells me that you're a little bit younger than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was feeling very self-conscious, kind of similar to how I felt about seeing a Space Jam in the theater. Um, when the Space Jam theme song hit, that whole they they play the whole song. If you don't remember, like they play every verse mm. of that song over the opening credits. I just remember sinking into my chair and being like, "Oh God, <laughs> like, like why do I have to be here for this?" Um, <laughs> But that that's just me though. Um, I know I know now that we've uh, now that the nostalgia wave has crested a little bit further. Space Jam is like the the most famous movie. It's the most popular movie among the kids. Yeah, I don't quite get that. I mean, I guess it's worth watching just so you can know what they're talking about in the Last Dance when he has to uh, practice after filming uh, Space Jam, which is pretty cool. The fact that they built a like practice facility for him so he could practice after filming the movie so i mean definitely worth watching just for that uh you know last dance supplemental material well you better brush up on your space jam because i'm pretty sure space jam 2 is in production right now Um, oh yeah just hyped so hyped (laughs) impossible level hype (laughs) yeah um but moving along we have something that is certified fresh uh Words on Bathroom Walls, a Lionsgate film from 2020. This is not your typical Lionsgate film, though. No. Um, this looks like an indie drama with Walton Goggins and a whole bunch of names. <laughs> and Andy Garcia. Is this the bearded variant or the non-bearded variant? Uh, <laughs> because I'm a big fan of clean-shaven Andy Garcia. Uh, Santa Claus beard Andy Garcia, not quite so much. Um but yeah, this is apparently an indie drama. A teenager coping with paranoid schizophrenia hopes his new experimental drug treatment will help him navigate high school and the outside world. And that flaming nun appears to be the woman from Speed that fell off the bus. <laughs> Stellar cast that we're working with. Yeah, um, I, I remember when this was uh, announced. It was you know announced it was actually coming to theaters, and uh, at the time I was like. Oh, theaters are reopening, case numbers are going down, looking good. I'm going to go see this. I'm going to see every movie in theaters. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But um, So I, I won't be seeing this one on Blu-ray. Um, you know, if things were safe and this was 
had been in theaters around here and it was safe to go see it, I would have seen this in theaters, but uh, I will not be seeing it on Blu-ray. Isn't it funny how things like that work out? <laughs> well, you tried, Brad. Um, yeah. You, you did speaking see of, Unhinged one and a half times, though, so you, you did your due yeah. diligence. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Andy Garcia, I just wanted to ask, have you seen Passengers? Ooh, is that the Chris Pratt movie? Yeah, with Chris no, Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. It's yeah, not yeah. it's not worth watching really. But the funny thing is that uh, I believe that in the marketing for the film, Andy Garcia was highlighted as like one of the names in the film, and he literally only shows up in the last thirty seconds, and I don't even think he has any lines. Whoa! <laughs> it's like it's like the weirdest walk on role to finish the film. Um, yeah, so it's just talking about Andy Garcia made me think of his incredible role in Passengers. Maybe you, uh, maybe you stumbled across like a special Cuban teaser trailer for the film or something. Where it's, like, it's like we need to, we need to increase the demographic audience for this. <laughs> I, maybe his name wasn't like specifically highlighted, but they, there was like a clear shot of him in the trailer, like kind of as just, <laughs> just as a way, like oh, here's a recognizable famous face to throw in as well. And then you're waiting the whole movie. Like, when is Andy Garcia going to show up? I mean, it's Andy Garcia. He's got to show up at some point, right? And well, no, it's literally right at the end. Maybe the guy cutting together the trailer was a big fan of the Untouchables or something. He's like, you know, you know who's handsome? Young Andy Garcia. <laughs> so just yeah, like could be. Absent-mindedly cut in a couple of frames of the Untouchables. <laughs> I mean, you basically see his entire every like second of his screen time in the trailer. That's how little he's in the movie. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. I'm not in a hurry to check that movie out because, unfortunately, I did have the big spoiler revealed for me. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. it kind of kills any reason you'd want to check it. And, you know, in terms of sex appeal, I don't find either of those stars distractingly hot. Um, so, yeah, that's not that's not a valid reason for me to turn on Passengers. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I can that's watch fair. this whole movie and not be distracted at all. There's a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but moving on here, uh, we have a previous episode, Monstrum, from 2018. This would be a Korean monster movie uh, that was a Shudder original for a stretch, um, but now it's coming to Blu-ray. Um, we have what I have to assume is a, the Nickelodeon documentary, The Orange Years. That's That would be kind of cute to check out. Yeah. Being as I was raised by the Nickelodeon uh, before they had the Nicktoons, so before it was actually Nickelodeon, before they had their own programming. Basically, when uh, all of their cartoons were actually just uh, imported from other countries and dubbed. So, like, Noozles mm. from Japan, and I forget what Scandinavian country uh, David the Gnome came from. And Inspector Gadget, I think, was originally French. and <laughs> um, But they just, like, slapped, it on, slapped their branding on it and had a whole bunch of short animations uh, in between everything. Uh, the Cat Came Back, Brad. If you haven't seen that, please look it up. It's still I might have to check it out. They used to play it between shows on Nickelodeon uh, way back when. Yeah. And I was a wee lad, and the cat came back the very next day. <laughs> uh, just look it up. It's delightful. Um, we have the entire uh, Terminator film collection um, in a single box. I uh, can go ahead and throw away a couple of those discs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, we have an Arrow release of a film that's not known to me, uh, Beyond the Door from 1974. Um, I'm looking at the cast, and it appears to be an Italian film. Uh, 
but yeah, this one's a mystery to me. Um, but like you had said earlier, uh, generally Arrow does a good job with their releases. I really love the cover for Beeswax from 2009. Uh, not a movie that I know, but sharp cover. Um, how about this one, Brad? The The Last Laugh from 2020. Does that one ring a bell at all? Um, let me see here. The Last Laugh. Um, I scrolled up to the top of the page there for a second. Uh, no, I don't know what this is. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the tagline, though, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. Oh, okay, never mind. I thought it said, knock, I'm dead. Um, oh, it yeah. It says, knock, I, I, I'm I, dead. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I, I see it. I see it. Your your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. It does look like that. <laughs> I was like, is, is half of a knock-knock joke missing here or something? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I don't know about this. It looks like uh could be just kind of a low-budget slasher sort of thing here. Uh, it looks like a low-budget slasher, but it looks too low-budget. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's some other slasher movies in the past couple of years that look like they have a little bit more polish to them. The fluorescent tube lighting here and the the color kind of sets off my bullshit detector a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Looks like kind of reminds me a little bit in terms of just the potential setting and the the look of the killer. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Haunt, which uh, is actually a very good film. So I'm not saying this one isn't good. It could be. I don't know, but. Um, seems like this could be the low-budget knockoff of Haunt, which came out uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, thanks for thanks for stating the title. I actually couldn't remember. <laughs> like, oh, that's yeah. what I was alluding to when I said slasher movie, like recent slashers. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I'll say about this week um, is that Paydirt, uh, despite Luke Goss and Val Kilmer and guns being present on the cover, is not a Lionsgate release. <laughs> uh, comes from uh, Uncorked Entertainment. Um, but oh. I'm curious uh, what the state of Val Kilmer's vocal cords are these days, um, because <laughs> there no there's a movie um, that's very high on my like um, masochistic watch list. Um, so this is a movie I know to be awful, and yet for some reason I have to watch it someday. It's right next to uh, Fantastic, um, <laughs> the <laughs> what Josh Trank uh, Fantastic Four film. I need to see The Snowman and Fantfa and Fantastic. Um, I just have to see them. I need to subject yeah. myself to them because I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, I saw the snowman in theaters, man. I'm, oh, I, uh, fuck, dude. <laughs> I got it on the ground floor on that one. Oof. I have heard yeah, some it's, shit. <laughs> it's a very, very weird movie, and especially coming from the director who I think is the guy who did, like, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and is, like, an acclaimed director. But, uh, yeah, Val, Val Kilmer in The Snowman some of the weirdest moments of the film for sure. Um, I didn't, I mean, it, it was bad. I, I, I won't like totally write it off as like tear, like completely worthless. I, I feel like the, not that I can remember anything from it, but I feel like there were at least a few, maybe it was just like visually, it was kind of interesting at times, but uh, yeah, very strange, weird, bad movie. So it is one that is worth checking out. Yeah. I, I need to check it out just because it, it sounds right up my alley in terms of like, dissecting a film like trying mm-hmm. to get to the core of what exactly is wrong with it yeah because um, it as far as i know it's mostly a serious film and it's like ooh, but it's so bad yeah. <laughs> and also it's it's not a good idea to name any character even even played by michael fassbender harry hole um that's just not a good name <laughs> um and uh yeah uh, val kilmer apparently had some kind of mouth or throat surgery um 
I think right prior, like just prior to production or in production uh, that caused him to be unable to speak. Uh, so he's completely ADR'd in the film mm-hmm. um, and not very convincingly. And I, I've seen interviews with him after the fact. And yeah, he sounds like he sounds like Marlon Brando in The Godfather, honestly. Um, but I don't I don't know if his voice ever came back. So being as this came out, this uh, pay dirt film comes out in 2020. I have to assume uh, it was shot after the fact. Um, anyway, that's uh, probably more time. Uh, than anyone else on the planet has spent thinking about the film Pay Dirt from 2020. <laughs> so uh, let's move on down to the, f- I believe, the final release week uh, of November 2020. And uh, right out the gate, we have one that, uh, because I don't have Netflix, I actually am considering purchasing. Uh, this would be the Criterion release of Martin Scorsese's The Irishman 2019. This was a Netflix exclusive until this disc came out. Um, oh, I, being as I haven't seen it, Brad, uh, have you? <laughs> like, uh, do you have anything to say about it? Uh, yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Um, certainly goes right along with uh, Scorsese's other uh, films of the same type, like Goodfellas and uh, Casino. Um, I know the length and the uh, de-aging were big topics of discussion going into it. Um, I, honestly, I thought the de-aging, I think we've talked about it, you and I, before, how uh, the first scene for me, at least, was bad. I I don't, and I'm curious to go back and revisit that first scene. And I don't know if it's just you get like, kind of you know adjusted to it or something, or if it really is that first scene was the worst. But I uh, kind of you know got in the groove of it, and I I didn't find it overly overly distracting for most of the film. But really, the I think the last 45 minutes to an hour are really good, like really solid stuff. Um, so I would definitely say it's worth watching. Um, I have not bought any of these uh, Netflix Criterion movies, but I would like to purchase potentially this and uh, Roma. Um, so uh, and and Marriage Story as well, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Not crazy about the cover art for this one. Got to be honest. Not really, you know, setting off any uh, sirens or bells here. Kind of, kind of pretty lame if you ask me. <laughs> It's a little abstract um, yeah. when compared to some other Criterion releases. Where I know they do that from time to time, but you know the the poster, like the digital poster, being as Netflix doesn't really you know have theatrical posters, but like the posters that they used online to advertise the film were you know traditional. Here are the yeah. big names in the film. Like here's their faces. Um, but yeah, this this cover it's a painting, or maybe a digital painting of an elderly pair of hands. <laughs> it's like okay I, I maybe that's a even, shot from the film but i don't I, even it remember really com- if it was like it I, doesn't I don't really remember. communicate much yeah i can't remember if that like ring had any significant well I, actually the ring does the ring does now that yeah okay that's coming back to me yeah um but no i mean it's a yeah B- bit of a spoiler i guess but really the the cover art should have been joe pesci rolling a ball on the ground that's what the cover art should have been that was the best part of the movie well you heard it here, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I would very much like to check this out. Um, as far as I know, um, Kyle never finished it. Um, be, the aforementioned opening scene, I guess that Kyle has a problem with CGI in general, just as as a concept. <laughs> like computer, mm-hmm. computer imagery bothers Kyle. <laughs> and uh, apparently he couldn't finish this film. Like he loves Martin Scorsese as a filmmaker and he just couldn't do it. 
and I kept I actually convinced him to give it another try and I don't think he did it like I know I know he tried again and I don't think he could finish it so that that scares me a little bit but I mean um, I I have heard some people that uh are Scorsese fans who have been very critical of it I mean some some people have been critical of like even aside from the de-aging like you know when Robert De Niro is supposed to be younger he doesn't you know he can't walk like a young man and it's distracting i don't i didn't find any of that overly terrible like i i mean it's there but i i think the thematically having him play that character from beginning to end i think it works um works pretty well um in terms of what the film is trying to go for so i'm willing to overlook some maybe technical hiccups to uh get to the point they're trying to make well not to not to repeat myself as I, i'm sure i said this before but like i want to say that this is like honoring the performers in a lot of ways where it's like most of the most of the headlining personalities in this film are not going to do any other substantial films going forward there's just mm-hmm. not enough time really and you know they only have so much energy and their their market value is probably way down um so in my mind it's almost like the director and and like the production on the whole just kind of like tipping their hat to these these guys and like sending them off you know into the sunset where it's like you know what bobby like i i know you don't i don't i know you don't walk like a young man anymore i know i know even with all of your god-given acting talent like you just can't do it anymore but for the runtime of this three-hour film it's all yours do with it what you will um, so I think of it as like a kind of like a victory lap for everybody involved. Um, but that's coming from someone who hasn't seen the film. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is really distracting where Joe Pesci turns his head and his, there's like a weird blur where his eyes don't follow properly. No, no, I, I didn't maybe, find anything like that. Maybe someone has like a wandering that. eye that just comes like does its own thing from time to time. <laughs> or maybe Ray Romano's face appears on Robert De Niro's from time to time. Or maybe they do the the Ninja Turtles animated series thing where the wrong turtle's <laughs> voice comes out of the wrong turtle's face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a long movie, so it could have happened. And I just forgot about it by the end. I mean, that's, that's the genius of having a three and a half hour movie. You can, you can hide some flaws in there. It's like, I, I ask you with all this technology at your disposal, Marty, why, why didn't you just make everybody James Gandolfini? <laughs> like, why, why, why didn't you just like make everyone in the cast? James Gandolfini. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what could have been, but um, yep. beside that, though, is this uh, is Mad Max debuting on 4K? Is that why this is? I believe it is. Um, yeah, it's being put out by Kino, um, and I I do believe this is their the 4K debut. Um, I'm trying to remember if Kino has put out anything 4K before this either. I can't remember if they have. Uh, this could be Kino's first 4K release. I could be wrong on that. I I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, so uh, I I, uh, I I enjoy the original Mad Max. Certainly, I think it's uh, surpassed by at least two of its sequels. But um, it's you know it's certainly a film that is uh, worth checking out, and I've seen it a few times now. There's always something worth coming back to there. Yeah, I mean, it has a couple of like outstanding scenes, but on the whole, it's like you know, it's it's a movie of highlights, but like as a as a whole film it has some flaws it drags at times but um 
Yeah, I mean, the the Road Warrior is the one that most people think of when you say Mad Max, but I don't think the original is without merit. Um, but beside that, we have uh, The Beastmaster on 4K from 1982. Um, this is not an outstanding film by any means, but it's a fun one. It's, you know, kind of aping the, the Conan formula. Uh, it's kind of trying to piggyback on the success of that. But uh, it's funny, actually, I have a, a Japanese poster of this film hung up in my apartment. Um, it's painted by one of my favorite artists that I know by name, uh, Noriyoshi Orai, uh, who did a lot of, uh, just a lot of poster art, a lot of book cover art and stuff. Uh, he unfortunately passed away, um, but in doing so, that's how I learned his name, was that I, I found like an obituary or, or like an article devoted to him that's like, oh, hmm. that's the name of that guy who made all those fucking paintings that I've loved my whole life. Cool. Uh, so I, yeah, bought, yeah. I bought a couple of... Uh, art books like collecting his works uh over the decades and mm-hmm. uh, yeah he did the japanese cover art for i have um the empire strikes back beastmaster and uh steven seagal's above the law <laughs> all, <laughs> all painted by the master nice. himself um but yeah beastmaster's okay but um mm, let you have the next pick brad what what's jumping out at you um, well, uh, I don't have anything to say about it, really, but worth mentioning, uh, The Essential Fellini from, uh, Criterion. Got 14 movies there. This one going a little bit pricier than the, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis collection. Uh, this one is going for <laughs> 125 bucks, uh, for the same amount of movies. So, I mean, hey, it's up to you how you spend your money, but, uh, you know, at least with Herschel Gordon Lewis, you're getting more bang for your buck. Um, but, uh, I, I will highlight, uh, because I do quite enjoy this show uh monty python's flying circus the complete series one through four um which i may is this the first time on blu-ray i'm not entirely sure but if it is it's definitely worth noting because uh i i love the monty python crew um and it's been a while since i've watched their show flying circus but i would be curious to go back to it um because i i was into it pretty heavily uh you know quite a while ago and uh yeah, I think uh, certainly one of my favorite comedy troops. Yeah, I, I think I'm a bigger fan of Terry Gilliam than I am the Monty Python series. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those movies are wonderful. Um, although I have heard that Flying Circus, um, many people put it like near the top of the list as far as like Monty Python products go. Um, so it'd be fun to check out. Yeah, I mean, like any sketch series, it's very hit and miss, but I do think that... Uh, like the sketches and the ideas that are hits are very clever and well done and funny and certainly uh, ahead of their time. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, worth checking out if you're a Monty Python completionist, for sure. Okay. Um, and beside that, we have a 4K release of, I like how they titled this, um, just to make sure people know what it is, uh, Train to Busan Presents Peninsula, <laughs> uh, just so people are aware that this is a sequel to Train to Busan, um, yeah. which is a movie I've been meaning to watch forever and haven't. Uh, it has many Korean actors I'm a big fan of, and I've heard it's an excellent film, but I, to this day, still have yet to see Train to Busan. Um, I actually don't know the reputation of Peninsula just yet. Like, I haven't read any reviews just yet. I've heard, uh, not that I've looked too much into it, but I've heard not great stuff. Um, certainly... I don't. I think everything I've read has said it's a definitely a step down, um, and I've I've heard some just outright negative opinions as well. 
So uh, could be a mixed bag potentially. Um, but I am curious to uh, to check it out. And I've never seen the original as well. I I own it and I still haven't watched it. So uh, maybe this maybe I'll finally pull the trigger and do a double bill. Yeah, maybe maybe do that sometime when you're in the mood for some zombie action. Yeah. Uh, we have an Arrow release of something called He Came from the Swamp, uh, the William Griffey collection. Uh, damn. Uh, 1966 to 1977, six movies. Uh, I don't recognize any of these titles, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's all schlock and it's all good if you're into that, which, you know, I am, but it's I, I I have to ease into the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a 4K release of something called Deadly Games, which is trying very hard to, to play that 80s nostalgia angle. Uh, I'm sure many people will buy it just be based on the cover art and the font. Um, it's from 1989. Um, ooh, I have heard some shit about this Ava movie. Um, I don't know what it is about like boilerplate spy movies, but they always get such stacked casts and there's so many just like utterly ordinary spy movies that come out. Like it's like a, it's like clockwork. Like every two, three years there has to be a spy movie and we have to pack it to the gills with top flight talent. And then you watch it and you're just like, wow, like maybe, maybe somebody has dirt on somebody. Cause like, how did we get Jessica Chastain, Colin Farrell, John Malkovich and who cares about you and Grofud anymore, but you know, like, um, it's but yeah, directed I've, by I've, Tate Taylor as well. Yeah. I've heard it's terrible though. Like it's just like middle of the road as it gets just like, it brings nothing new to the table. It's just kind of like, well, if you, I mean, if you really want to see Jessica Chastain punch Colin Farrell, you know, this is the movie where you'll, where you'll get that. But outside of that, there's just not much else on offer. <laughs> ah, but yeah. um, moving on down though, um, we have <laughs> oh fuck, um, Iron Mask from yes. 2019. Yes. Uh, so this movie has an alternate title. It's a. Uh, it, I don't know the pronunciation, but it's V or uh, V I Y as Kyle sometimes calls it. Uh, two, uh, which it's a uh, sequel to a uh, a USSR film. So a, a like Russian Republic like um, film, uh, which was about out like supernatural shit it and actually uh i bought the dvd like a bootleg dvd of it for kyle a long time ago um and he he strongly believed that maybe sam raby was inspired by it because a lot of it kind of had an evil dead vibe to it Mm -hmm. um but yeah this movie features jackie chan and arnold schwarzenegger um i don't know how much screen time either of them has um, but the entire marketing campaign, the entire international marketing campaign for this Chinese and Russian co-production is based on uh, Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger in period garb uh, throwing down. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to say they're probably in five minutes of the movie. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but they're very front and center on the cover. They look absolutely ridiculous, but... Uh... I mean, I got to say, it, it is intriguing, although that two-hour runtime, not sure if I want to sit through uh, 115 minutes of the rest of the film just to get to the five minutes of Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, wow, they even got they got Charles Dance, Rutger Hauer, uh, before he mm. passed away, obviously, uh, and Jason Fleming, uh, 
damn. <laughs> like, uh, clearly this movie had some money backing it. Um, but yeah, everything about it just looks like, oh no, this, this is not, this is not what we all think it's going to be. <laughs> like, um, every, like I've watched some of the extended trailers for the film and it's like, it is like a supernatural action film that dives, it leans pretty heavily into the Chinese and like Russian mythology kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I want to say that's like, we're, we're hoping for an international audience for the film, but more than likely there's going to be a lot lost in translation. And Ar- Arnold and Jackie are both very charismatic performers, but I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not getting my money. Not this time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm scrolling through the screenshots here and, uh, only one screenshot featuring Arnold, so that might speak to how little he's in the movie. I believe he's in exactly one scene of it. Um, <laughs> no, I, that's my belief, is that there's a... Pr- yeah. I know for a fact there's a prison break at some point in the movie. I'm guessing he's like the head jailer or like the warden equivalent, <laughs> and he's probably just in that scene in that location, and then the movie moves on and probably has some very attractive young Russian and Chinese actors in the lead actually carrying the story and jackie chan just pops in every once in a while to you know uh hop around on wires <laughs> um, but your actual leads are probably going to be chinese and russian pop stars or something <laughs> that's usually how these movies work in fact jackie chan just had a movie come out called vanguard that is exactly that <laughs> that i want to see that though that i actually do legitimately want to see yeah i can't do it can't do it so no? like no i i'm too familiar with what it is it's just like this keeps happening over and over and over again like we had the same thing happen with that china salesman movie where mm-hmm. the, it was marketed on the promise of arnold it was a uh, mike tyson and steven seagal punching each other in africa that's that was the marketing campaign for the movie the actual film is chinese actors you've never heard of running around uh in a military action film in africa and Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson show up for two seconds and their stunt doubles fight each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't throw money at Vanguard. Um, as as much as I like Jackie Chan, um, it's rapidly becoming a past tense thing. Um, <laughs> honestly, like he he uh, his politics at some point started to bug me and then his age started to rear its ugly head where it's like, you know, you just don't have it anymore and sometimes it's a like better idea to you know just step step out of the spotlight let someone else Mm -hmm. let someone else get some of that although you know jc jackie chan chan his son his his son's name is jc by the way (laughs) jackie chan chan um isn't allowed to carry the torch because he's he smokes pot and jackie jackie can't stomach that (laughs) okay okay yeah he uh, famously let his son go to prison (laughs) for like drug possession or something uh yeah it's a whole shit show, but yeah, old old Jackie Chan is—he's starting to annoy me. Like, it's like, yeah, he—he he made some amazing films, like indisputably amazing films. But he's starting to get to the point where it's like, dude, you gotta get behind the camera. Maybe, maybe inspire other people to do what you did. But I'm sure he's too much of a grumpy old man to do that. Where he'd he'd probably have to more- jump out from behind the camera and start slapping people and stuff. Be like, oh my god, in my day, I would take bumps like that, like nothing. <laughs> like, See, and they throw out his back, and they'd be like, okay, well, I guess we need a new director now. <laughs> he's got to do more movies like The Foreigner, man. He's got to do more uh, something like that again. 
Yeah, the, the the Martin Campbell foreigner movie that that yeah that that's a perfectly serviceable use of an elderly Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Jackie Chan paired up with pop stars in like gun action movies. I'm sorry, just not not what I'm here for. Like, no, no, we're not yeah. doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. Uh, end rant. <laughs> but, um. But anything else you want to talk about, Brad? Uh, Not just... really. No, that kind of looks like yeah. This week's this work. This might be the worst week of the month, to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a weak month on the whole. But yeah, this this last week is kind of kind of wimpy. But I'll just throw out there. There's a couple more Criterion releases. Um, always try to spotlight those. Um, we have Amar Cord from 1973, and uh, Il Bidone. Uh, from 1955, uh, neither of which are known to me. However, they are Criterion films, so they're likely worth your time. Also, we have a documentary called The Last Blockbuster, which I'm sure is very charming. Um, it's about the last blockbuster that I believe is in Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. I almost went to check it out when I was in Portland uh, a while back. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's about it for the month of November. Um so let's just do a quick reverse review here in terms of like potential pickups for the month for both of us. So I'm working my way up the list here. Um, I would like to see Train to Busan, but I'm not about to buy Peninsula without having seen it. Um, the Irishman is a is a maybe. Uh, the Criterion disc of The Irishman is something I might check out. Sorry, Pay Dirt. Uh, Luke Goss and Val Kilmer in a 2020 film that's it's very attractive, but no, you're not getting my money. Um, <laughs> Unhinged is maybe a blind buy. <laughs> if the price is right, um, if not a blind buy, at the very least, I'm going to rent that shit because I desperately want to see that. Um, yeah. New Mutants, I'm not about to buy, but I, I, it's on my list. I really do want to see it just because it, it fits that category of movie that I've talked about a couple of times just on this episode of like, something's grossly wrong with it and i need to know what like i i need to see it for myself so i can diagnose the problem um but yeah fuck um bill and ted i'm not about to buy but again i would like to see it Uh, i'm not gonna kick down any doors to get to it but would like to see antebellum same deal not not gonna pay good money for it but i'll watch it and uh wow uh aside from maybe unhinged and maybe the irishman I'm getting nothing this month, apparently. <laughs> Unhinged is definitely worth a blind buy, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think so, I think. Okay. Well, how about you? Brian? I don't think you'll regret purchasing it. Okay. Um, For me, let's see. Uh, I will probably pick up The Last Dance at some point. Um, I do want to pick up that uh, Brides of Dracula, that Hammer film, because I did watch uh, the Hammer Dracula film and i believe this is the direct film after that one so i'm kind of curious to pick that one up and then uh potentially unhinged uh, i don't know if i'll just be renting this for my rewatch or i mean i'll, I'll probably buy it who am i kidding i'm gonna buy this thing I, yeah if it, if it was 4k it would be 100 percent. i'd be buying it um blu-ray 1999 i mean kind of I, I if it was 14.99 it'd be i'd have it in my cart right now just gotta wait 
maybe go down just a little bit in price. Just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, unhinged. Throw it on the list. I'll be getting it. Who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, kind of a wimpy month. But, you know, uh, I have a feeling the next couple months are going to be a lot better. Um, I was I was peeking at December. There's There's some good stuff there. Okay, well, I look forward to going over those future releases with you, um, hopefully in a few weeks here. But um, that being said, uh, Brad, thanks for joining me. But uh, before you go, how about you let the folks at home uh, know how they can find you and all of your uh, podcast wares and whatnot online? Yeah, uh, our podcast is called Cinema Speak, so you can search for us wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, or you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at the Cinema Speak or Instagram Cinema Speak Podcast, and you can also see a list of all our episodes at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right, thanks for that, Brad. And uh, if you want to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can look all that up on our website at catchinguponcinema.com and uh, we do have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those accounts uh, for i don't know suggestions on future episodes or you know telling me how bad at my job i am um, <laughs> but in the meantime please uh, like share subscribe and all that shit Um, But yeah, uh, that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.